As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Wendy. And it's Jess. And you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for delicious and nutritious living. This episode is sponsored by Megafood, a maker of vitamins and supplements that are easy to digest and are formulated with farm fresh ingredients. Megafood supplements are made with ingredients like fresh oranges, spicy ginger, and crisp cranberries obtained from farm fresh partners. I actually have them at home. They're so delicious, and I almost forgot for a quick second that I was chewing a supplement. I'm used to swallowing bulky pills when I do supplement, and this was such a different and tasty experience. Their supplements are also made without any artificial flavors or preservatives. Megafood has the gummy vitamin B12 to help support cellular energy production, vitamin C for daily immune function, and vitamin D3 for bone health and immune health. You can find all of these at your local health food store or online at bettergummies.com. We'll make sure to include a link in the show notes as well so you can learn more. Now on to our episode. Welcome to another episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest on the show. We're going to be interviewing Lori Caldwell. She is an Alameda County master composter, self-taught edible gardener, and residential sheet mulch maven (laughs) her mission to connect people to the soil and all that it provides she's been happily teaching sustainable gardening classes and transforming yards in the san francisco bay area since 2007 we are so excited to talk to lori today about composting and gardening lori thank you so much for being a guest on our show Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so I'm going to just jump right in, and we have so many questions, and our listeners do too, about composting. So we'll start with that piece of um, of the talk. So first off, just tell us more about your background and how you actually got into the field of gardening and composting, and kind of what makes you so passionate about this line of work. Oh, sure. Um, teaching, I actually kind of fell into teaching. I've always um, been a, I've always loved to garden. Um, I come from a family of gardeners on all sides, and I, you know, spent my summers helping, you know, my grandpa pick tomatoes or helping my grandma put up stuff um, from her own garden and weeding. And so um, I've always had that passion. But uh, the teaching part came uh, actually quite late in life. I had participated in the uh, Master Composter Program in Alameda County, where they basically would teach you everything you need to know about composting, how to make it, or what it's all about. Uh, and from there, I just ended up staying with that organization. Um, I'm still with them um, and began teaching uh, sustainable 
gardening classes. Now, for folks who don't know, can you give us just a simple definition of what composting even is and also why it's so important? Oh, sure. Uh, composting is just the, the natural breakdown of organic materials. Um, in this instance, and for the homeowner or for the home gardener, you're going to be doing it in some sort of a container, which is going to mimic those natural processes of, you know, a breaking down of organic materials with help of things like fungus and bacteria and invertebrates like worms and roly-polies, stuff like that. Um, the benefits of composting is uh, are many. Um, it helps uh, reduce uh, waste, uh, recycle resources, um, as well as reduce uh, greenhouse gases. And then the use of compost itself um, is so beneficial in um, any kind of gardening situation where it's going to um, be a slow-release nutrient uh, into the soil, uh, as well as hold on to water a lot longer uh, and then build up that healthy soil for um, all the organisms that live inside the soil, which in turn uh, give back their love to your plants. And then, of course, we eat those plants. Right. So then we give the love back to us. Exactly. <laughs> One question that I have. So I live in California, specifically in the Bay Area, and we have compost, trash, and recycle bins basically everywhere. And I always see at different eateries, like folks walk up to the compost bin, and they're kind of confused about what goes there, what's trash, what's recycling. So is there any way to easily remember what we would actually compost? Sure. I mean, for... Um, anyone who has organics recycling uh, at the curb or, like you said, at a restaurant, um, think of the compost bin as kind of omnivore. You know, they'll take meat, they'll take bread, uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, in our instance in California, we're also um, composting food soil paper. So you cook some bacon, you drain it on a paper towel, um, you get a chopstick from your takeout. You can incorporate all of that into it. So if you think of it more as an omnivore, um, and you can feed it pretty much anything, that, the same things that we would eat. But in a home composting system, actually, you have to think of um, that in different terms. The same things I put in my green cart are different things than I put in my, um, in my home composting bin. I think of my home compost bin as more of a vegetarian, uh, gluten-free kind of area. That's a really good way to think about yeah. it and also to distinguish kind of the differences between the two types of composting bins. Um, so what are the different types of uh, composting or like the different types of composting methods and when would you use them? For example, for folks living in tiny apartments, they may not have access to a lot of space or even a backyard. What method of composting tends to work best? Something that they could do within their space at home? No, excellent. Um, there is uh, the basic composting. Uh, I would be combining a lot of my yard waste. Uh, if I have a lot of leaves or some grass clippings, um, some pruning, some trees, I can mix those with some of the items from I get from my garden or in my house, things like eggshells, coffee grounds, fruit and vegetable peelings, and I can do that outdoors. Um, for people who live in apartments or who don't have a lot of yard waste, you can compost with worms, and that's in a much enclosed system, which I can do either indoor or outdoor. And then for that, I won't be giving them the yard waste, but I'll still be giving them the, the fruit and vegetable peelings and providing them with bedding um, to keep the moisture at bay. Um, also, some people are still very big fans of what they call lasagna composting or trench composting, where 
they dig a hole in their garden and they layer all the materials they want to compost and then just cover that up with soil. Um, one of the the downfalls of that one is you actually have to wait for all the materials to break down in order to um, plant in that area, but it still can be very successful if you have a lot of material that you like to compost. But for people who live in apartments or who don't have a lot of yard waste, uh, worm composting um, is excellent. You just go out and get a, a pound of red wigglers and find yourself a, a really good, sturdy, um, non-clear container. Uh, provide them with bedding, usually newspaper, uh, works really well. And then you can just feed them on a weekly basis. And then they provide this great okay. organic material that comes out. So, okay, one other question I have then is maybe I was doing my composting wrong a few years ago because I had I didn't have worms. I just had kind of like the the bucket that wasn't it was white, it wasn't clear, it was enclosed and it had a little a few holes for kind of ventilation, but the issue that I had was it would smell. And so the neighbors started to complain because I left it in the hallway. Um, they started to complain of the smell. And so I just wonder, so when you are doing composting in an apartment and I was told that I could do it without having the worms, is that misinformation? Can Is there a way to do it and not have it smell but also not have the worms involved? Or is that doing too much? No, you definitely need some decomposers to help to help break it down. Absolutely. Worms, like, like I said, are going to be the best. Um, usually, however, when you do have a worm bin situation, you end up with some other decomposers um, that end up in your bin. Um, the green, the little cart, that's mostly just for transporting um, materials from your house um, to the green bin. But if you have a concern with, say, something um, smell between the time that you put it in your um, uh, put in your white container and transfer it to the to the organics cart, you can um, you can either put that in the refrigerator. Sometimes people like to put them in plastic containers and put them in the freezer and then just empty that out directly into the organic bin. Okay, so you're going to need basically two bins, one that houses the worms or whatever the thing that's going to um, help the, the food decompose, and then another bin when you're transferring the decomposed material to wherever you're taking it to, to the garden or wherever. So it's Yes, and of course that all depends on what you're trying to feed. If you're trying to feed your worms, like I said, they're more of a um, a vegan kind of situation as opposed to your organics cart, which is your omnivore. They'll take all different types of materials. So if you want to compost, yeah, if you want to compost with worms, you'll get a container, and then that way you really don't have to have that little container um, on your um, excuse me on your your counter. That way you can just transfer okay, it from your, it. from your plate directly or from your bowl or for anything that you're just keeping on the counter directly into your worm bin rather than having to transport it onto the garbage can. Right. Okay. So for people who would like to get started with composting and maybe, you know, need some like tips or kind of hacks throughout the week to um, encourage them to, to do this in a way that's like simple and fits into their lifestyle, what are some different um, tips that you can give them to make it, you know, make it easy throughout the week? Sure. Well, I'll, like I said, depending on the type of system you have, and I have I have all three options in my house. I have a worm bin, I have a basic bin, and then I also have um, my organics cart out on the curb. So basically, I have a system of two two containers. I have a, a tote, well, similar to your white one, on my counter, and that goes strictly into my organics cart. 
um, to be disposed of and turned into compost on a municipal level. Um, for my home bin, I divide my time. I have another bowl, which is completely separate um, for those type of items. If I have a lot that, and it happens to be summer, I like to store it in the refrigerator before I have to use it. Either I put it in a plastic bag or just a container and set it aside. That way I don't have to worry about fruit flies um, coming um, to join. Yeah. And then if you do get fruit flies, a fruit fly trap is very easy to make. Is You just take a shallow glass dish and you fill that with apple cider vinegar and then a couple of squirts of your favorite dish soap and just leave it out where the fruit flies are. It attracts them. They fall in and drown. Wow, what a great tip, because I definitely had fruit flies, so that's good to know. Um, okay, so it sounds like when it comes to the white cart, you said sometimes you can put it in the refrigerator before you're going to transfer it to your organics bin. Um, how long do you typically wait until you transfer it? Is it something you do immediately, or if you put it in the fridge, can it stay there for like a day or two? How does that usually, what's the best practice there? Well, usually it can stay for a day or two. Um, it really all depends. Uh, usually in the summertime, you have a much shorter period in order to store it on your counter as opposed to in the winter when it's a little bit colder. Um, you can interdisperse layers of things like newspaper uh, in your white bin for your organics cart. That also helps kind of keep the, um, keep the smell down. And since paper itself is organic in nature now and it's such food, it qualifies to go in your organics cart. So I usually use a lot of newspaper or sometimes I'll have a, uh, a brown paper bag. I like to put the material in that as well. And that also helps keep that little bin clean as well. Right. Great tips. Now, for somebody who, you know, wants to get started with composting, what are three specific actions that they can do starting today to kind of prepare um, to do this and also a way that's affordable and works kind of with the smaller spaces we talked about? Sure. I mean, figure out what it is you have to compost. I mean, it's a lot easier to compost items that you already have on hand. So if you have a lot of yard waste, consider going and doing a basic uh, basic bin system. So you're going to need a compost bin for that. So that's probably going to be the first thing I'm going to uh, ask tell you to do is find yourself a compost bin, uh, find a shady area to put it in. Um, if you're going to be incorporating food scraps like fruit and vegetable peelings, you're going to want to make your bin rodent resistant. Um, I've never had any issues with rodents in all the years I've been composting, but depending on certain areas, sometimes um, there's more rodents than others, you know, usually uh, adjacent to more rural areas. So you're going to want to find a bin um, and then start piling all your materials. So, yes, but if you're deciding that you want to go ahead and do worm composting, um, you're going to find yourself uh, a container. Sometimes your county will offer a subsidized bin program um, for either basic or worm, and they'll offer you a discounted rate on a bin. Um, my bin is just a tote that I bought at Target. Uh, you're going to drill some holes along the top edge. I usually have access to a lot of newspaper, so I'm going to shred that for bedding for my worms and feed them. Uh, and then for as far as the worms, um, you're going to want to get uh, red wigglers are your variety. You can either purchase them in nurseries. Sometimes you can buy them online. Sometimes you can get them on bait shops. And then you're just going to feed them on a consistent basis uh, with worms. They do breathe through their skin, so I usually avoid things like lots of citrus and lots of spicy things like uh, peppers and garlic. This podcast episode was sponsored by MegaFood Blood Builder. Did you know that 1 in 10 women in the United States is at risk for low iron? 
Iron helps your body absorb the oxygen it needs, and low iron levels can leave you feeling extra tired, weak, cold, and pale. Made with real foods, Blood Builder is an iron supplement that is clinically proven to get your iron levels up without the uncomfortable side effects that can bring you down, even on an empty stomach. Just make sure to check in with your healthcare provider before starting any kind of supplementation program. Are you ready to get going? Visit bloodbuilder.com today. Now back to the episode. This is Wendy hopping in. I know I've been a little quiet on the sidelines, but that's mostly because I don't know much about composting. I don't have any experience. I live in New York City, and unfortunately, it just hasn't picked up as much here as it has in California. Like, I want to talk to you about gardening, which is something that I know a little bit more about, more so like just window gardening for me. But we all know that gardening is a great way to stretch your money. Uh, what are some other benefits of gardening? I've come across studies that say that gardening is good for your health. So I don't know if you've heard of that or which you know what you've come across can you get into that oh absolutely yes i mean yes gardening is a great way to uh, stretch your food dollar and, and i know that in a lot of the classes i teach i think people have this misconception that gardening is this very expensive expensive hobby or something that you have to really do spend a lot of money to get a lot of benefit out of it and i'm here to say that there's a lot of free and low-cost resources and there's a lot of ways to Cut your budget so then when you do end up growing your own food, you're really, really saving money on the front end and also on the back end. And then you're going to take the waste from the stuff that you garden, compost it, and then just reintroduce that right back into your garden. So um, some of the great benefits of gardening, of course, is because uh, your food is going to be a lot healthier because you're going to be picking it when it's ripe and ready. Um, that's why farmers markets, they pick that fruit and that vegetable the day of, because that's that's the peak of fresh, that's the peak of freshness and and the peak of nutrition. Um, most of our meals come from about fifteen hundred um, miles away in a different hemisphere, and usually is not picked when it's ripe. It's picked unripe and then trucked and then sprayed with a chemical in order to ripen it. So you're not really getting the maximum benefit of that fruit and vegetable um, that you you know that you purchase at a store as opposed to um, what you can go either in your front yard your backyard uh, and pick fresh uh, and that's about as local as you can get um, it's going to be right there on your property um, it is relaxing even the even weeding uh, can be relaxing uh, there's been a lot of studies saying that gardening can help lower your blood pressure um, and it is true about actual health benefits of, of, of playing in the soil there are a lot of microorganisms microbes in there um, that either um, I've read studies where it gives you kind of like a Prozac uh, effect where it can um, help uh, boost you or help boost your immune system as well. And I can definitely attest to that. I haven't had a cold in years. And then there's really a lot of good feelings about being able to go, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? And then you walk out to your yard and you pick it and you bring it in and you cook it and, you know, you're really doing good by yourself. Yeah, Goals. I would have to agree. I actually did this farming immersion program a few years ago. And you're right. I felt like when I was I was just farming all day and like helping to harvest and we did the mulching and it was just so meditative and relaxing. And I was so like, I really got a workout in like I was out there being super active. And um, so I can see how all those benefits come with doing something like gardening. Um, for people that live in spaces like I do in New 
York City where it's like they live in a small apartment or it's just like a one or two person household um, and they don't have like an outdoor garden or yard. What are certain, some things that they can do to incorporate gardening into their smaller spaces? Sure. I mean, if you have access to a balcony, I mean, that's always going to be your, your, you know, your first step. Um, but if you don't have a balcony, uh, I have a friend, she invited me to her house one day to show me her tomato plant. She doesn't have any outdoor space. And she found the sunniest window she had. Um, and she rigged up a, um, a five-gallon bucket system where she insets um, two in five-gallon buckets within each other, one to drain and one to hold water. And then she planted tomato plants in it and then proceeded to take her drapes and cover over the back end. So she created a great little greenhouse in her sunniest portion of her um, of her house, and she was able to uh, grow tomatoes all summer long. So indoor gardening is possible as long as you can find those great sunny locations. Um, don't be afraid to uh, use hanging pots. Um, if you have a railing, don't be afraid to you know um, you know hang something off of that railing you know very tightly. But you can hang it off a railing or if you don't have any really indoor options, check it into your local community gardens and see what options there are as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really great resource, especially um, in cities. A lot more community gardens are popping up. So um, we'll include a link actually to, well, at least here in New York City, where you can find a local community garden if you are based here. Um, but if you aren't in New York City, just do a quick Google search and you might have one in your neighborhood and it would be great to become involved in that. And a lot of times they give you free food if yeah. you help with the harvest. So, Absolutely. Um, That's a great. Yeah, definitely a, look into that. A great way to, you know, swap yeah. produce and everything. Also, there's a um, kind of a new thing happening here in the Bay Area. I'm not sure if it's happening elsewhere, but a lot of people are. I guess what we call sharecropping. So say you have a yard, but I don't have a yard, but I like to garden. So I garden at your house. We split the cost of the water and then we split the cost of the harvest. So I get the use of your land and do all the maintenance of it. Uh, but you get the benefit of having fresh produce, you know, pretty much all year round. Or of course in New York, that would be um, the spring and summer season. All right. Well, tell us about some kind of intro tips to gardening, especially for indoors. Where can someone start when it comes to indoor gardening and getting some stuff growing either on their fire escape or on their windowsill? What things should they get and what's a good place to start? Okay. Um, well, the, the first thing is the question I get a lot in my classes, what should I grow? And my answer is, uh, what do you like to eat? So say you, you like tomatoes, you have to have tomatoes in the summertime. Uh, there are a lot of plants that you can grow in a very small space or a very small container. I teach a class where we focus on container garden in a five-gallon bucket. You can get five-gallon buckets or five-gallon pots in a lot of different places, sometimes nurseries. Give them away if they're, you know, they have an abundance of them. Or you could go to Home Depot or a hardware store and buy one. Um, or you could go to somewhere like a bakery or um, a big um, industrial food place. They always usually end up things with buckets. And sometimes it costs them a fair amount of money to have that material recycled, or it's more of a hassle for them to have it recycled. So they have a tendency to give that away for free, which, you know, we can always all appreciate. So 
depending on how much space you have, you can do herbs in very small containers on windowsills. Um, anything that's going to produce a fruit, you're going to want to put in probably at least a five-gallon bucket. So I've done watermelons and I've done pumpkins, tomatoes. I have a fig tree right now growing in a five-gallon bucket. So you'd be surprised. But again, if you're going to be growing something indoors, um, sun is going to be a factor. Uh, anything that's going to produce a fruit needs about four to six hours of sunshine. Anything that's just kind of leafy is going to need about two to four hours of sunshine every day. Great. Okay. Well, I mean, do you have, you mentioned a lot of different tips and tricks. Do you have like any go-to places online or um, places that you go to in person just kind of like to get more resources or, or learn more? Do you have any favorite books on composting and gardening? We'll make sure we list them in the show notes, but just curious oh, yeah. um, to Ab- know what your go-to. No, absolutely. Yeah. For worm composting, um, the, the book we call the Bible is um, Worms Eat My Garbage by Mary Applehoff. Um, it's a very good uh, term, um, very easy to understand. She gives you a really great in-depth about that. Anything about growing food. Um, I love the um, John Jevons book, How to Grow More Vegetables. He's more of a mini farm kind of guy. So if you're looking for something a little bit on larger scale. Um, out here in the Bay Area, we have um, uh, Urban uh, Edible Landscapes by Robin Creasley. Um, you're able to combine different uh, things within your within your landscape. And then, like I said, the local library has a lot of resources. I know uh, here in the Bay Area, we have a lot of seed libraries. So if you're interested in growing, but you uh, want to really kind of cut your budget, uh, take a look at some of the local seed libraries that they may have. Um, there's tool libraries where you can rent tools. Um, and then, of course, there's always the resources for um, for books, um, at, at your local library. And then any of your local nurseries, they're most likely going to offer classes, um, usually for free, um, about basic gardening tips. Um, there's always a master gardener program, usually all through some sort of um, university extension um, where they have trained professionals. They usually are, end up in things like farmer's markets where they can answer your questions about tips about pests, um, how to grow things. So there are a lot of really great resources out there. You just kind of have to kind of have to Google that. Yeah, and as you were saying that, I just realized that actually our local botanical garden has this um, entire like urban gardening program. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's like sometimes we forget about all the resources that we do have locally, and it's something that I had come across a long time ago, but kind of forgot. But you've kind of inspired me to look into it me again. Too. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool, and it's just like such a fun topic. And I think a lot of people, um, it just sounds nice in theory, but they don't really know how to put it into practice so it's really nice to have you on and and having someone who's actually doing this stuff and finds like joy and pleasure in it Mm -hmm. oh yeah I just think I have the best job in the world I get to talk to people I talk about gardening and composting I'm outside in the sunshine it's you know it's it's a really great job and I want people to understand that Gardening can be very easy. Of course, there's always some sort of challenges with gardening or with composting. One year, you know, I can't grow cilantro for three years in a row, and then one year I have a bumper crop. You know, one year from the next, there's pests. You overwater them. You underwater them. Just don't give up because the benefits are so wonderful. I mean, in the summertime, I produce probably about 
40% of our produce uh, just in our very small, uh, very small backyard. In the wintertime, a little bit less, but there's nothing more satisfying to be able to do it. And then budget-wise, I mean, produce, you know, can cost a lot. And if you're producing it without any chemicals, technically, you know, you are producing it organically without, you know, so you can do that and provide, you know, good and healthy, nutritious fruits and vegetables for your friends and family. Well, thank you so much, Lori. We learned so much through talking with you. Mm -hmm. And I know that our listeners are going to want to look you up and find out about your work. So can you plug in where people can find out about you and everything that you're up to? No, certainly. Um, I don't have a website. I'm always outside. Don't have that much time for that. But uh, you can find me. On, <laughs> you can definitely find me on Facebook. Um, look me up on the Compost Gal, and um, you can find me there. I have a list of classes of where I teach in the Bay Area. I'm gonna share a lot of free resources um, of you know, different events, plant swaps, crop swaps, seed swaps, plant sales. A lot of great ways of finding plants um, to incorporate into your landscape without having to um, break the bank. Awesome. So thank you again, Lloyd, for being a guest on our show. And with that, we're going to wrap things up. So thanks to our listeners for tuning into another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a huge favor and leave us a review on iTunes right now. The more reviews we get, the higher we're ranked in iTunes, which means we reach more people. And also make sure to connect with us online. Uh, we are on Instagram at Food Heaven Show, also Twitter, and at Food Heaven made easy on Facebook. And for those of you who don't know, our podcast is released every Wednesday. And in each episode, we cover tips and tricks for making lifelong, sustainable, healthy living changes to upgrade your diet and health. We also interview leading experts in the field of health and nutrition to pick their brains on how to cultivate a healthy life that they love. So we hope you enjoyed the episode again, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.